Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. If you're anything like me, the last 90 days have been a bit of a roller coaster. There has been so much going on from the pandemic to the roller coaster of the economy to the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's time to sit down and do a review to see how Q3 went for our businesses. But today I wanna do a little bit of a different review. I wanna hold myself accountable and share transparently my own review for my Q3 allyship and what I've been working on behind the scenes and a major focus for me personally, me and my business, me and my family, so that we can continue this conversation. If this is a topic that you want to dive into with me, keep on listening. It's a great episode where I'm going to share exactly what we've been up to behind the scenes to be an imperfect ally. Are you ready to grow from solopreneur to CEO? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent the last decade helping women entrepreneurs start and scale service-based businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without the hustle and burnout. Hey, CEO, welcome back to another quarterly review. If you have been listening to the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast for a while, then you know that every quarter I show up and flip through my CEO planner, the very same one that is available on my website, and I share with you my insights from the last 90 days. We look at, did I hit my goals? What do the metrics look like? How many days did I take off? What worked? What didn't work? All of that good stuff. And I still did that review, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. I will link up the Q1 and Q2 reviews for you to listen to so you can go through that process. But today I wanted to do a slightly different quarterly review. I wanted to do this quarterly review and share with you behind the scenes our work to become a more imperfect ally as a business. This became a major priority in Q3. Obviously in June, there has been a international conversation um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I realized it, it came even more clear to me how much I was falling short, how much I was intellectually doing the work to become an imperfect ally. But when it came down to like boots on the ground, 
taking action, I was falling short. And I want to share with you because I think it's important to hold myself accountable and to be transparent in the process. And I'm also hoping that this inspires anyone else who knows that they want to be an imperfect ally, who who values black lives, who values trans lives, who values LGBTQ lives, who wants to be the force for change and lead your life and your business by your values. Um, but the action steps is where it starts to feel overwhelming or like there's just too much and you don't know where to start. So I'm going to share with you that quarterly review. And if you're interested, keep on listening. If you want to do the more traditional quarterly review for your planner, then I'll link up the Q1 and Q2 reviews for you to listen to. So these are the action steps that we have taken over the last quarter. And I want to start with talking about making explicit my own values for my business. This step, I have to give so much credit to Erica Corday, who is my diversity, equity, inclusion coach, and India Jackson, who is my marketing and branding coach. They have been working with me one-on-one and together, actually. They are also the co-hosts of Pause on the Play. Erica um, was on the podcast in June sharing about how to become a more imperfect ally. And I've been working with them for like a year and a half, taking their workshops and participating in their community and getting to know them on a friend level. But I knew I wanted to dive deeper with them and hired them both this spring. Then everything um, kind of exploded at the same time, right at the beginning of our work together. And really kind of accelerated the whole process, I think. And we started with two specific workshops that they both led me through. The first was identifying the values for my business, going from implicit to explicit. And the second was around getting clarity around my ideal client. The first one, getting explicit about my values in my business, was such an interesting two hours with them because I think often when we go through this process of coming up with like our core values for our business, it feels like a very silly exercise. Like this doesn't matter that much. Like everybody says the same basic core values. It feels like one of those, you know, business school activities. It doesn't really mean anything, but this was not that. (laughs) This was going deep. We talked about my personal values. We talked about the values of the people on my team. We talked about the values of the business and the brand. We talked about the values that my clients hold. And what became more clear to me is that there's a lot of things that are important to me. And as a leader of the business, therefore are important to the business that have not been clear. They've not been articulated to everyone. (laughs) And this is been interesting because I was definitely raised by a generation of entrepreneurs who were very much like, this is business, not personal. You don't talk about race or religion or politics. You don't talk about certain things as a business owner. You only talk about business. And 
I get that in generations past, that's how this worked, but it, that doesn't work anymore because people want to know where you stand. And if they don't know where you stand, then they're not sure if you are safe. They're not sure if doing work with you is going to be aligned for them or actually going to be helpful for them or could even be harmful to them. So this was a huge process for us to go through. And it was so incredibly helpful to get on the other side of that. And going through this process with Erica and India, one of the best parts about that is because I'd had a couple of years of just getting to know them, them getting to know me. Um, They've also attended my CEO retreat. So they know a lot about how I work and what I do um, because we've both hired each other. And they were able to share with me like, oh, these values you're telling us about right now, if I hadn't worked with you, I would not know that those were important to you because it's not clear on your marketing or in your branding or in your messaging or how you're showing up in, in different ways. And it was really eye-opening to me. So that was the foundation. And once we got clarity on those values, we were able to then look at how is this impacting the type of client we serve. One of the things that came to my attention, actually in an episode that Claire Pelletro did on her podcast, um, the Get Paid podcast, and Claire is a Facebook ads expert, she talked about how Facebook ads are inherently racist because they're very focused on demographics. Facebook is really good at siloing us off based on people who are exactly like we are. So it's very homogenous, right? They put us in front of groups of people who are very similar and that can cause a lot of problems. And it can also cause a lot of separation between different types of people. Um, So when we went through this process after looking at the values in the business, getting clarity about them. We also looked at how this impacted the type of clients that I want to serve and getting clear from a values perspective who those clients are instead of just a demographic. This is where oftentimes the ideal client avatar exercises that everybody does, they just fall short. Um, is they're so focused on demographics, they're not as focused on psychographics, they're not as focused on values, they're not as focused on what people believe. And this was really interesting um, and actually really a great time to go through this exercise because, wow, we saw inside their business and inside of all our paid and free community, um, a lot rise to the surface this past summer. So it was really fantastic to kind of kick off this deep dive process with them with those two workshops um, because that's what I pulled through the rest of the quarter. That's what I leaned on for the rest of the quarter and all the other action steps I was focused on. So once I did those two things, um, I really had a lot I wanted to do because, you know, of course I'm going to go after being the best imperfect ally that I possibly could be. I can't help it. Type three Enneagram here. But I have to say, like, we basically got started. (laughs) There were a lot of things we wanted to do, and we realized we're not going to be able to do it all in a quarter. This is an ongoing process. It's going to take time. So the next thing that I looked at was voting with my dollars. This is where I knew I could make the biggest impact um, because 
as an entrepreneur, we spend a lot of money. Like our expenses, as your business grows, your expenses grows, which means you have an economic impact. You can make a difference very quickly by putting those dollars towards other businesses that are aligned with you, that have values that align with your values. Now, voting with my dollars is something that I've been really passionate about for a long time, especially because I've been very focused on helping women in business. So I've always been, when I think about voting with my dollars, I hire women, I invest in businesses, um, like whether it's a tech product we're buying or um, a service we're buying, I try to make sure that if it's not owned by a woman, there's women in leadership in that business. I always am looking for women-owned businesses. So I know what that number looks like on my income statement, right? I could tell you how many, how much of our money that we spend is spent towards women. It's a lot. It's easily 60 to 70%. But where I was falling short was making sure there was a percentage of that going towards Black-owned businesses and making sure that Black women were getting a piece of that pie, right? Like making sure that I was spending money there. When I listened to the small business town hall that Rachel Rogers hosted, um, and she announced the small business anti-racist pledge, she recommended spending 30% of your expenses with black owned businesses. So I actually sat down and I looked at, okay, where had we been the year previous? we were spending about 5% of our expenses on Black-owned businesses, specifically Black-owned businesses, which is pretty small. (laughs) It's pretty small. So I was like, okay, where can I move the needle here? Um, And that has changed. As of right now, three months later from looking at that, about 10% of our expenses have gone to Black-owned businesses. And I know that the biggest way we can make a difference um, moving forward, because the biggest line item in my expense report here is my team. So we made sure that we overhauled our whole hiring system. We wanted to make sure that I wasn't going out and hiring for the next role just by asking for referrals, which had been my default. And in talking with Erica and India um, through this process, and Erica has just been so invaluable at helping me brainstorm how I can get these opportunities out in front of a more diverse group of people. I realized that this was just another way that my white privilege was kind of blinding me to what I was doing and how I was holding these opportunities back. Um, I wasn't seeking out diverse candidates because I was only putting the opportunities to work with me in front of a very small group of people who were pretty homogenous because they were the the people in my main circle. So I realized I needed to overhaul my whole hiring system. I need to make sure that we were getting more diverse candidates. And if we weren't getting them applying, it was because I wasn't doing my job putting the opportunity out in front of a lot of different groups. So that was one huge area that we're looking at so that we can hit that 30% goal. I know that if I want to spend 30% of my expense budget with Black-owned businesses um, and I need to come up from 10%, it's probably mostly going to come from hiring and um, from spending money with other service providers from Black-owned businesses. So that was a huge wake-up 
for me, realizing that, wow, I'd done work here for women-owned businesses, but not for Black-owned businesses, and I can do better there. So that's one huge thing that we're committing to. And as we are going through the hiring process for a new copywriter, um, we're implementing it. And it's been really amazing, one, to see how many amazing candidates are out there um, when I'm not just throwing out, you know, to my immediate community, who do you know that? And instead, I'm going through a complete hiring process. Um, But two, it's making me realize it's not as hard as everybody seems to think it is. Totally possible. Along the same lines of voting with my dollars is also um, voting with my recommendations because I have a lot of people who come to me and say, who do you know? Who do you know that does this? So one thing that we keep internally um, is a referral list. We call it the love list. These are the service providers, the tools, the systems, the things that we use inside the business. And we always have this referral list because people are always asking us, who do we recommend for different things? And of course, like I said, just with the voting with my dollars, where am I spending money? I have a lot of women-owned businesses on that list, but I realized I could do better when it came to making sure we were adding Black-owned business owners to that list as well. So we went through and looked at okay, who do we know that does Facebook ads? Who do we know that has a virtual assistant business? Who do we know that does graphic design? Who do we know that does branding? Who do we know that is a photographer? We just started going through the list and realized there's a lot of people that I knew that I just wasn't even putting on the list. Um, And this is something that, again, it's, it's a blind spot for me until somebody shined a big old spotlight on it. So that was something that's just a reminder to us as we are constantly updating the love list is to make sure if we're adding a new category that we're making sure that there are BIPOC businesses, um, not just women-owned businesses, that there's LGBTQ businesses, not just um, white-owned business owners or women-owned business owners. We want to make sure that we are really sending people to as many different Um, types of service providers as we know, because we actually know a lot and I just didn't have them on the list. So now that we're making sure that economically we're making an impact by either hiring them or sending other people to hire more, um, more diverse business owners, there are some other things that we had to do internally. So one thing that we did internally is we made sure that we overhauled our policies, our terms and conditions, um, and our contracts. And this was important because I wanted to make sure it was crystal clear, crystal clear that we will not tolerate hate speech and we are a business that values diversity, equity, and inclusion. And anyone who basically violates those in our community um, will be removed. We wanted to make sure we were making as safe of a space as possible where everybody knew what the expectations were going to be up front. So we worked with our lawyer, Raven Willis of New Millennial Legal. Absolutely adore her. She also um, does all my trademarks and stuff, but she and I went back and forth after I got clear on what all we wanted to cover and made sure that there was a clear 
policy in place um, written into our terms and conditions for anybody who joins our programs about these guidelines for the community. And anyone who violates these guidelines, we can remove them instantly. Um, I think that's just really important because we saw, especially in June, a lot of communities who seemed to not know what the heck to do when people were being harmful um, to the women of color and the black women in their communities when they needed support. So we decided, you know what, our policy is going to be we want to provide space for those women. We want to make sure they feel like they are heard. We want to make sure if there's something that they need support with, we will find it and bring it in for them. Um, But if there's people who are going to be racist or harmful, we will not tolerate that. So I felt really good that we went through the process to make sure that legally everything is buttoned up. Legally, we've put it in the contracts. We've put it in the agreements. We put it in the terms and conditions. Another um, internal process that we went through was on the content side. So this is where India has really been helping me quite a lot. And this is something that I had been kind of doing, but without having a documented policy around. So as someone who has a podcast, um, I mostly do solo shows. I don't do a lot of interviews, but I realized that historically, Again, like a lot of the interviews have come from my network, have come from um, people who I already know. I haven't been actively seeking out diversity in who I interview. And that's my fault. That's totally my fault. It's equivalent to when men are, you know, hosting podcasts and they say, well, we can't find any great women to talk to. We don't know any women experts. And here I am basically doing the same thing to black women or other women of color, which is ridiculous. So I decided, you know what, we're going to have at least 30% of any interviews that I do will be with black women, women of color, minority women. Um, Sorry, guys, we're pretty much not really ever going to have men on this podcast because it's a podcast for women entrepreneurs. I think we can highlight amazing women entrepreneurs over any dudes. So that was a big thing to just really get that down and make sure I have a clear process for that, at least 30% with BIPOC women. And the same thing if I am going to be speaking anywhere. This is something that I've been noticing a lot more. Um, And in fact, over the last couple years, I have been implementing this, but I kind of had, again, it was implicit, not explicit. And that is to make sure that if I am showing up to be an expert, to speak at an event or to take part in a summit, I'm going to ask them how many black women, how many um, women of color have been asked or interviewed to participate in this. And if it's not at least 30%, then I will instead recommend someone else in my place. This is something I did actually um, last year. I was invited to a summit that sounded great. I even had the date on the calendar to record the interview. And then I looked at their lineup and I was like, wow, this is really, really white. Don't they know any other people? So instead I said, hey, do you have anyone else? And she was like, oh, yeah, but I could use some more. So I said, well, instead of interviewing me, here's three people you can talk to. Um, I'd love to do an introduction. And she did. She ended up interviewing an amazing, amazing black woman in my place. And I'm sharing this because not because I want a cookie or you know, anything like that. I, it's just really simple. It's just really simple to say, Hey, there are great other women out there and I can elevate 
their voice. I can make sure I am amplifying them um, instead of always taking opportunities that honestly are coming pretty easily to me. So that was another huge thing. Okay, um, the final thing in the business that was really important to me, and it's, again, this is something that I just wasn't making a priority because of my white privilege, and that is to make sure that if I am doing research to share statistics on women in business, that I will also make sure I have the research to talk about black women in business or women of color in business, minority women in business. This has come to my attention as such an issue because often when we're talking about things like the wage gap or we're talking about things like um, how much revenue women in business are making, all these different things, it's centered on white women. It's not inclusive of all women. And I think that's an important thing that we need to talk about um, because they are different, right? There's a difference in the statistics between average revenue of a white woman-owned business and average revenue of a black woman-owned business or Latino women-owned business. And if we don't talk about these things, we're never going to really create the equity that we're looking for. So this is because I love statistics. I love doing the research and I often just haven't been including those statistics in the conversation. So I want to make sure that I'm doing that. That's part of what I'm known for is bringing the research. So I'm going to bring more of the research and make sure that it is inclusive and help us all get to that equitable future that we're looking for. On the personal side of things, um, so those are a lot of things kind of in the business that we're focused on over the last quarter. In the personal side of things, I have been auditing my content consumption to make sure that I am including more black writers, um, podcasters, content creators. And I realized, wow, when I looked at my bookshelf, I did not have many black women on my bookshelf. Um, I had some great memoirs on my bookshelf, but not anything about business, not anything about career, not really any books on anti-racism. Um, and the same with podcasts and other things that I'm listening to and watching. So I made sure I went through and followed more black women on social media, um, listened to more black women on their podcasts, started to get on more black women's email lists so I can learn from them, like a new perspective. And their point of view is only going to help me understand more. And when I can understand more, I can be a better ally because I I have more insight into their world. Um, So that was a a thing that's an ongoing process, right? Like auditing my content consumption um, is an ongoing process. But the action step coming from that is making sure I'm continuing my own anti-racist education by participating in one course a year and reading at least six books a year. Um, Not necessarily all just on um, racism, but making sure that I'm learning about black history and black culture and things that will help me to just be a more informed ally. So as of today, September 25th, 2020, here's what I have read. And this is a great book list. I'll I'll share a tiny bit about each one. Um, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I think everybody has been talking about this one. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, I think this is just a standard great read. And alongside of that, so you want to talk about race, 
Um, that is a really easy read. And I really enjoyed, there was a great podcast episode on a podcast I love called By the Book. And they did, so you want to talk about race? They lived by the book for two weeks and shared their insights. I thought that was really interesting. Um, But those two were probably the biggest like anti-racism books that I read to help me make sure I'm understanding as much as I can. Another book that I really loved, and again, this falls more under the memoir category, was More Than Enough. Um, And this book was by Elaine Welteroth. Welteroth? I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, But she really talked about her journey as the editor of Teen Vogue. Um, She is the one who really made that a huge success and one of the most um, really woke publications out there. You wouldn't think that Teen Vogue would have such amazing, um, have such amazing content and conversations around hard topics, but she really brought amazing new topics to the forefront. And she talked about her whole journey with um, coming up through the ranks and how she did that. So that was an amazing book written by a black woman. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that one. Um, Another book that was really great to read um, was The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. Um, And this is by Minda Hartz, who started, I believe the site is called The Memo as well. And this one came across... um, this came across my feed, my my Instagram feed, because people were asking, like, what books by women are you reading? What books by women of color or black women are you reading? And I thought this was really an interesting book for me to read, because obviously I'm a white woman. Um, but as I'm reading it, it's like my eyes were opened. I really had an opportunity to kind of see through their eyes what their work experience was like. And it's different from mine. Um it's again, I think I had lumped just all women in a category and not really thought about the difference in our perspective or the difference in our experiences. And so that was a really insightful book to read, um, to understand more about the black women who might be coming to work with me and what kind of obstacles they might've had along their career path. Um, other, Books that I really enjoyed, um, I'm going to give a shout out to Dr. Tiffany Jana, who's based here in Richmond, Virginia. I've met Tiffany a few times and they are absolutely amazing. They have written um, three books that I have. Actually, they've written multiple books. Um, I think maybe four or five now. But the three on my bookshelf that I picked up when I first met them about a year and a half ago was the sub. Subtle Acts of Exclusion, Overcoming Bias, and Erasing Institutional Bias by Dr. Tiffany Jana. They have just so much to share about how to build a JEDI, so a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion business. Um, And they own a consultancy that offers, you know, JEDI consulting as well as other services to help more um, organizations and more businesses 
to have diversity training and and bias training and all of those things. Um, So I highly recommend those as well. A final book that I read that was really interesting, and this was kind of more on the history side of things, is Black Fortunes. Um, This book, again, it came up in June during all these different conversations, and I ordered it and read it, and I was like, wow, I had no idea. I had heard about... um, you know, Black Wall Street a little bit, but I really didn't know so much about, you know, the Black entrepreneurial community. And if you are a Black entrepreneur, I think that's a great book to listen to and to read. Um, If you're just an entrepreneur in general, uh, it was a great read. Okay, things that we've watched. um, We've watched quite a, a lot of documentaries, but One thing that I loved inside Pause on the Play, which is Erica and India's community, they've started hosting these monthly watch parties where we um, use the watch party app. um, It kind of goes on your Chrome browser and then you can go on Netflix and watch at the same time a movie and have a conversation about it in a chat box. So we watched 13th and we also watched The Black Godfather and had so much great conversation around those two specific documentaries. I really enjoyed the conversations with them and learned a lot about what has happened in our history, Um, learned a lot about the specific people involved in these different things. Highly recommend those movies. Um, Another series I really loved was the Becoming Michelle Obama. I've also been listening to Michelle Obama's podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, Another look into Black history, another look into um, a different story for me, a different um, background for me, like what her experience was. Really amazing um, documentary that she did to go along with that. Um, Another series I really liked series or just documentary um, was called She Did That and that's on Netflix and it follows black women entrepreneurs and I heard about it because um, Tanya Rapley was on it who owns um, Fab Finance and she and I got to know each other at the very first RebelCon. She was a speaker and I was a speaker there. Um, So we've been following each other on social media and when she announced that she was part of that of course, I was like, yes, let's watch it. So I watched She Did That, highlights amazing black women entrepreneurs, uh, several different black women entrepreneurs, really interesting stories. Okay, listened to, and these are kind of a list of podcasts that I absolutely love. Nice White Parents, I actually just finished binge listening to that. There's still so much to unpack in that. And it's about um, really integrating the school system and the impact of white parents who are the nice white parents, but who actually cause more harm um, than good in a lot of these public school systems and what has happened specifically in New York City. Um, Really interesting, especially as a parent of kids who are in these school systems. Um, 1619, is an amazing podcast on the history of black people in America. A lot that I learned from that. And I actually did an Instagram live about how that brought up like the history of productivity, the history of management, the history of um, a lot of business practices are rooted in slavery. 
And wow, that if that doesn't make you want to get off the whole hustle train, I don't know um, what would, but we can talk about that more at another time. Um, other podcasts, that's not how that works and pause on the play. Both of these relate to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion and the Michelle Obama podcast, which I mentioned. Um, trainings that I've taken, I I did both the um, implicit to explicit workshop with Erica Corday and India Jackson from Pause on the Play. I am a part of the Pause on the Play community as well. I did Trudy LeBron show up and serve training, and I attended Rachel Rogers' small business town hall and signed the pledge. So the final thing I want to make sure I am talking about is what I'm also doing with my kids. And I think this is really important because this year is such a crazy year, but um, I don't want to raise my kids to just continue to perpetuate the same problems. And I think a lot of the problems we face as a country are going to take a long time to solve. And it will be so much easier to solve them if we also make sure that the next generation is aware and conscious and talking about these things. So one of the things we did was we audited our kids' bookshelf. My kids love to read, like love to read. Um, If you think I love to read and you've seen pictures of my bookshelf behind my desk in my home office, um, my kids have just as many books. It is kind of an issue we we basically should just start a library. But one thing we realized is um, we don't have a lot of books with black or indigenous or people of color. Like we don't have a lot of, of children's books with characters who are not white. Um, some are kind of ambiguous, but none that I could really see that were specifically a different race. So we started looking and I started buying a lot of books. I bought books from um, some of my friends here in Richmond. I got to know some amazing women here uh, through Rebel and through some other groups. I took part in a uh, mic share week and found out there are a lot of these amazing black women who'd written children's books. So I bought books from them to kind of stock our library at home. And we've also been looking up Uh, books for older kids. So I'm still compiling that list, but some of the ones that we have really loved, um, the Ada Twist Scientist book, really love that one. We got um, Hair Love and Brave Ballerina for my nieces who are younger. um, And we are actively looking for older children's books because my kids are kind of out of the picture books. So if anybody has recommendations, hit me up on Instagram because we need some older kids level books, like chapter books. Um, The other things we did is we signed up for two different programs for our homeschool. We decided to homeschool this year. And the best part about that is we get to make up our own curriculum. So we signed up for a monthly subscription box called Little Justice Leaders. It was um, something I saw, again, probably on Facebook or Instagram now, but we've had three boxes show up over the last three months. Um, just full of activities for the kids. A lot of them have a book inside and art activities and um, conversation starters, craft things, so much that we have been able to dive into and have conversations with our kids about. And we also have started the 
Oh Freedom U.S. History curriculum by Woke Homeschool. And this curriculum is redesigned to include Black history, Indigenous history. And I felt like this was really important because a lot of the history that we came up with in the public school system was very whitewashed, (laughs) right? Very um, colonized, where we weren't really talking about the history of other people. So I felt like it was important to share those things because this is something that's not just important um, to do in business. I think it's important to do the work at home as well and make sure we are pulling it through all areas of our life. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I felt like it's a little rambly as I'm going through this, but I do feel like it's just incredibly important. This is definitely a work in progress. There's definitely a lot more that we can do. Um, But I feel really good about the progress we made. I think the thing that makes me feel good is I finally feel like I have things on paper that give me a target to aim towards um, and help me see exactly what we're doing instead of it just kind of floating around as kind of a bunch of ideas like things we should do and now it's more clear this is what we are doing and I'm sure there will be more to come um, as I continue this work as I continue working with Erica and India on an ongoing basis as they're continued to be involved in kind of the internal part of my business working with me and the leadership team and and putting the policies in place and also the external part of my business and marketing and branding and messaging and all of that So I hope this was helpful. I'm going to make sure that all of this is put together on the show notes and I'll also circle back. Um, I don't know when I will, probably in another six months or so, just to share more progress, especially when it comes to where we are spending our money um, and how that is going. I think that's one of the biggest ways we can make a difference. And I'll also continue to update the reading list um, here when I do an update episode down the road. So if you like this episode, do me a favor and take a quick screenshot. Let me know if you liked it. Let me know what your insights or your takeaways were. Let me know what your questions were. Um, I would love to hear from you around that. I know that many of the people in my audience were also on this journey, um, especially the white people in my audience, the white women in my audience who felt like we were trying to be allies, but realized, oh, there's a lot more we can do. Um, if that's you, I hope, I hope this was helpful. So if you liked it, make sure you connect with me on Instagram. That is the best place to find me. Just take a screenshot, tag me at rachel.cook and let me know your insights. For the full shed notes, head over to rachelcook.com slash show. Now, if you don't want to miss any future episodes coming up this month, we are going to be talking about marketing and we're kicking off with a conversation with India Jackson. Then make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Promote Yourself to CEO. We'll talk soon.